You are now listening to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast. Let the story begin. One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin. Hold me down. Welcome to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast, and I'm your host, Greg Eel, the Culture Change Agent. On this show, we interview young, successful minorities in a variety of fields to educate, empower, and inspire our current and future generation of leaders. And I'm hyped, man. I just jumped out of Epsom Bath and I got a little got a little juice on me. So I'm, I'm pumped. I'm excited. And y'all like, yo, it's hella early in the morning. Why is he so hyped? Why is he so excited? I'm just blessed to be alive, man. First and foremost, before we even begin this show, I gotta say, yo, this this episode is gonna be crazy. It's gonna be so 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 real, so authentic, and uh, also also also, I gotta slow down. I don't know why I'm so happy. I don't know what's going on this morning. Two things: one, thank you from the bottom of my heart for everybody's messages via Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, calls, text messages from the the, the feedback from the last episode was astounding. Um, it's an honor and a privilege to to be to be considered a host and to 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 have this family of people that support the product after eight months to have the the ratings and have the downloads and have the support is astronomical, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Like this is this is love, and I can't wait to share and build with you when we're going on the road and just a lot of stuff that we have planned. And I just want to continue. Uh, hopefully to support everybody like y'all been supporting me. Y'all don't know how much y'all mean to me. I'm going to leave it right there, but thank you so much for the support. Uh, number two, I think I mentioned it briefly in the last podcast, but I was in a major accident. Uh, car was total, so please, please, please do keep me in your prayers as we tie up our loose ends with the insurance company and get everything straight. So please keep me in prayers as we recover, get back to 100%, and all that good stuff. And two, no, not two, three, <laughs> Today's episode is phenomenal. Most importantly, because it discusses a, a man, and I call a brother, that changed careers seven years in. He was a teacher, got his master's degree in teaching from North Carolina AT. <laughs> Shout out to the Aggies. And then decided he wanted to be a dentist. It was always his dream to be a dentist. But he took English, like how he was going to get the, the prerequisites and all that stuff and his whole journey and the fact that he got into, I'm not going to spoil the story, but this podcast specifically is for those out there that are debating career changes or debating, just making some drastic changes and they may feel insecure about it. They may feel too old, uh, too unequipped, not smart enough. I don't know what your insecurity is, but... This podcast will give you hope, a game plan, inspiration, and I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, 
don't I can't I, I can't mm, nah, I'm gonna let the podcast say it. I was gonna I was gonna go into a rant, but I'm gonna save for the podcast, man. So I'm gonna go ahead and let the intro roll and y'all enjoy this show. It's always special when I get to do shows and interview people and talk to people that I knew way before I started podcasting, way before I started hosting parties and all this stuff back in undergrad and what I do today, like way before books, way before all that good stuff. I'm talking about when, when Domino's had like the five for five. I'm talking about when people were still wearing like long white tees and chucks and, and, um, and dickies from Walmart. I'm talking about way back then. And when I say brother, um, it's not like we talk every single day, but me just following his path online over the last couple of years, being encouraged and inspired by his definitely different and unique style of photo taking as well. And just his overall essence, man, you can just tell when you, when you're in the midst of quality, quality, good people. And then just hearing his story, I said, yo, I got to have him on the podcast. And luckily, he don't do interviews like that. But luckily, he said, yo, I'm, I'm down to share the story. I'm down to come on the show. So I consider it an honor. I consider it a blessing. I consider it just um, a great opportunity to bring him on the show, share his story, and just talk about a few things, man. Because I think he embodies a person that was doing well, that was getting fulfilled, but said, I, I want a different type of film. And I want a different type of journey. And God. Out on that ledge, and I'm not gonna say jumped off because I don't want to get out the wrong impersonation, but um, he just he, he followed his dreams and he's doing some amazing stuff now, man. So, so without further ado, I want to introduce my brother, my dog, Craig McKee, to the Minority Trailblazer podcast. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. You are far too kind, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt, man. I, I, I'm, I'm thankful you for giving giving your your quality time. I know it's NBA playoff time, and it's your evening. And I know cats that, that that work all day and they get it in, whether it's studying, whether it's job, whatever. The evening is a cherish, man. So I appreciate you giving me a couple of, uh, a couple minutes of your time, man. Oh, don't mention it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So as always, we always start to show off with a, with our guests giving us a quote and a story about how they apply that quote to their everyday life, man. So Craig, take us away. Give us a story and a quote and how you apply it. All right. Um, quote that, uh, is near and dear to me is, uh, blessed to be a blessing. Mm-hmm. Uh, learned it from my pastor at a young age and every good that comes to me in life, I just try to find some way or to use it, um, and uh, bless someone else, help them out, um, because at some point in time you are going to need help in in turn. It's just good paying it forward, in essence. Uh, so yeah, just try to find a way to make the world a better place, one blessing at a time. Man, I love that. And when when's the last time? And I hate to ask people this question because I'm just like, especially when you give that kind of quote, like it may seem like it's like bragging about yourself. But when's the last time that you utilize that quote? Like, what's the last like physical time you used that quote? Let's see. The last time I can think using this quote, I'd have to say the actually a student that mm-hmm. I, I had um, in school today. Um, young man is uh, having a hard time uh, at home, and I'm aware of this. Uh, I co-teach in a class, and he was about to get kicked out and sent to in-school suspension. And I had a moment to pull him aside, talk to him one-on-one, calm him down because I know how it feels to go through problems at home yet still have work to do and, and not feel like putting up with it. So um, I use those moments and times to just kind of coach, motivate, and um, try to set the student back in the right path. Um, so I, I like to think that that was um, a blessing to that kid, to that kid's mother, um, saving him from one more additional suspension or helping him learn uh, whatever else he needed to in that class. So uh, 
that's the most recent one I can think of. And that's a good example. And a uh, question as a former educator, why do you think there's certain certain teachers that will go the extra mile and instead of like hitting a buzzer or writing people up, will try to identify and work. And some teachers are just really quick to pre- pull the uh, I wouldn't say pull the trigger, but quick to like sound the alarm. Yeah, it's a it's a really fine line um, in terms of uh, trying to judge teachers' patience because mm-hmm. there are times when uh, teachers, like I said, um, they want to pull pull the fire alarm on that student, uh, call them out uh, because it it can be a hindrance to the other students who are also um, uh, they should also their education should be respected their time with that teacher they also have a test that they need to prepare for so there are times when some students just become too much of a distraction that they are a hindrance to the entire class um, but you can tell there are teachers who take that additional time that effort pull the student aside and try to minimize the destruction and talk to that student one-on-one or try to connect with them in some way um, to save not only that student, but also the entire class. So, um, it's a, it's a, it's an art. (laughs) Yeah. It's a slippery slope in my first year. I was trying to, every single situation was trying to like be uh, Mr. Carter and and have these deep conversations (laughs) and whatnot. And then my class going crazy and I'm sitting there one-on-one I'm getting deserved by the principal. He like, you don't got control of your class. I'm like, Oh, I'm trying to build this relationship. So it's, it's, uh, it's so many, there's so much to every situation and it depends on different days, man. That's the, that's, I guess that's the the art of teacher, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But before we get into like going through your, your whole story, the teaching, uh, returning to college and then this new journey of dentistry. I want, I want you to take in our first part of the show. We always try to take the, the people that's listening back and give, give them a foundation of who you are. So if you could, man, can you share with the audience a little bit about your background and, and, and where you come from? Uh, yeah, I'm, um, grew up in Durham, North Carolina. I'm one of six. I have three sisters, two brothers, a crowded household. Um, I did not know you had six siblings, bro. <laughs> six? Oh, yeah, five siblings. I'm, five siblings. Yeah, one, wow. Five siblings, one of six. Um, big family. Um, uh, yeah, it was it was really uh, it was crowded in that household. Uh, um, hard to get attention at times, but uh, we made do um, entertaining ourselves growing up. Uh, went to school in um, uh, Durham Public Schools, and I did fairly well. I was just one of those uh, kids that stayed quiet, pretty reserved, um, did my work, but didn't do anything extra. Uh, um, and, uh, around senior year, uh, it was time to apply for schools, colleges. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I only applied to one, uh, A&T, one college. It was college was, um, it was actually an afterthought for me. It's like, okay, everybody's going to college. I'll go to, I didn't even really know what I was going to do. Um, uh, so yeah, graduated college and, um, I started out as a business major actually, mm-hmm. um, did that for a uh, semester a year and then, uh, decided that it wasn't for me. And I transitioned to English. I took the path of least resistance. I was really good at English. I liked kids. Um, so I was like, okay, I figured I could be a, be a teacher and, um, maybe a principal someday. And, uh, that led me to education. Man, so I, I want to take a quick step back. Growing up, was there was there a specific career or anything that you wanted to be when you were growing up? And was anybody that you kind of looked up to? 
Um, I had uh, a few careers that I was interested in growing up, but um, I didn't really have the opportunity to have those those interests nurtured. Mm-hmm. Um, I was interested in real estate at a young age, um, being a pilot. Um, but I think the one that gravitated towards me the most was dentistry. Um, I didn't really have any role models in dentistry or anything. I just, I enjoyed my experiences at the dental office. You liked, enjoyed uh, your experience. Every time I go, I, 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 I'm like, yo, why did I go? I'm getting overcharged. My teeth come out hurting. <laughs> I'm like, what? Y'all, they, they didn't give me the fluoride. And I didn't realize the fluoride had like a $29 copay too. I'm like, yo, I, I, I'm 25. I can't get the free co- uh, fluoride no more. So please explain to me about these early. You must have had no cavities. I, I was one of the fortunate few. I had no cavities uh-huh. um, at an early age. My, my dentist, uh, I had sealants on my teeth, uh, like a kind of coating. Um, it prevented cavities for me. I brushed and flossed. Um, I just, I don't know, I enjoyed the compliments that I, I got from the dentist. <laughs> That's the real, okay. My, yeah. Part of it, too, was seeing my brothers and sisters get cavities, and then I could brag that. I hadn't had any yet. So um, that factored into it as well. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. So, too. So now we go to college and you are a business major. So, what I know, I, I guess because uh, you had some type of inkling in, in English, but uh, so take us to when you realize that, hey, I want to teach because I mean, business, uh, and you say you were pretty reserved. So most reserved people may not necessarily get teaching you own in the classroom. Like you, you the one you're, you're leading the classroom. You're talking with parents, you talk with principals, like you talk to a lot of people. So like what led you being kind of your personality led you into teaching in the, in the beginning? So, um, as a business major, uh, I was ready to make, um, uh, major, change my major. And I felt like I didn't quite know what business I would want to run or open. I didn't really have an idea. And I didn't want to invest too much into that major um, without having a vision for it. Um, and I actually um, grabbed a change of um, major form. And then I looked at some of the curriculum for other majors. And I was like, all right, I think I want to do this um, pre-dentistry path. And I remember it was a green sheet of paper. And I looked at all the courses on it, biochemistry, physics, chemistry. And I threw that paper away. <laughs> I, I don't think I can do this. It's not cut out for me. And uh, looked at some other majors. I was like, hey, I always did well in English. Um, when I was younger, I did want to be a, um, a pastor for a brief time. And I felt like, okay, this would be a way for me to kind of um, be, uh, be the change um, that I wanted to see in the world. I, I knew I grew up in um, an educational system that, that was very spotty. Um, it was hit or miss at times with teachers. And I felt that I could, I could, um, make a change, make a difference in some kid's life, um, via English. Um, so became an English major and, uh, decided I'd pursue teaching. And, and it's funny that you mentioned, um, that being reserved, it was really odd for me to choose teaching. And, And it was, it was really difficult for me, um, those first few months to try to get comfortable with, speaking in front of classrooms um, and students. Um, and it is very exhausting. I'd, I'd, uh, I'm an introvert as well, so I'd come home from work just tired. I didn't want to speak to anyone um, because I felt drained after hearing my name a thousand times throughout <laughs> the day and having to respond over and over again. Um, so, so, yeah, it was a learning curve for me, but I, 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 I wouldn't trade it for the world. I enjoyed the connections that I made with my students and still have today. 
Yeah, I, I think that's so crazy. I don't think people realize and understand. And I didn't either because, you know, I speak for a living. So my one year of teaching, I said, man, I'm about to come in here and blaze these cats. It's going to be straight. I, after work, I'm going to have, I'm going to do, I'm going to record my podcast. I'm going to do this, do that. I'll talk about by 12 o'clock. I'm like, yo, how many more courses I got to teach? Like, I don't understand. Every, and, and in the breaks I did have, I got to sub in for another teacher. I'm like, my, my plan is gone. It was, it was a whole different type of energy dealing yes. with and managing 20, 25, 28, yeah. 30 kids on computers and all this other stuff. So what grades did you teach? I, I actually, I started out eighth grade um, mm-hmm. in the middle school and the very next year I went to, uh, teach the ninth grade and I'm taught ninth through 11th. Um, so I taught eighth through 11th, um, within my time of teaching. And it's, and it's funny you mentioned too, the, the energies, uh, you go into a classroom of 30 other kids and they all have their own different energy. You just have to make sure that your energy supersedes their energy. And I always try to come in with, uh, positive vibes and, good spirits um to try to uplift them and counteract any negative attitudes but it, it's it's uh it's challenging yeah and it's it's crazy like when you think about it from like a a, a psycho psychological perspective like you have in one room right like you said you may have anywhere specifically when you get from like ninth to like 12th grade 30 eh, 20 to 30 distinct different personalities different mm-hmm. upbringings different sometimes different religions different different everything and you're supposed to teach them one subject have them all in one accord growing learn together have an optimized like education and there's some there's an inherent flaw to that like it's just it's very hard because you have one test it's not like you have different questions to the test yeah one cool mm-hmm. one says different and one objective and it's just so difficult and i, and I know I'm, I'm gonna jump I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but I, 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 I feel compelled to ask this question from your time in, in education space, even from in the past and even now, like from your perspective, what changes would you make? Um, I'd say one would be be funding. Um, most schools now are the funding they get are determined by the the homes in the area and that in that district and the poor the poor communities are paying less in taxes for their homes and that's less money for the schools so the schools that need the most money aren't getting the most money um i actually i started uh teaching i don't go um to dental school until august so i i decided to teach for one um one more semester and i had four four job offers um some at some pretty um affluent schools, um, but I chose one um, in a poor community, a poor district, because I wanted to try and make some some change, uh, help those students out, um, try to use my experience to better them. And and uh, there was a uh, being at the school is, is really heartbreaking, just seeing and knowing like what what type of communities these students come from. And um, on one of the days working there, I had to uh, actually go to another school um, to observe. And the school is fairly close to the one that I work at now, um, within 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And this school, I start to see um, better homes around there, nicer townhomes. And you get to the school, and that school is well-funded. Um, These classroom sizes are smaller, and it's a, it's a totally different atmosphere. And it's just unfortunate to see that um, there's so many areas where students are just kind of um, – uh, disadvantage due to their socioeconomic upbringing. And, uh, I hope that the, um, 
the march um, that was just yeah. this past week will help bring some change to that in this uh, this um, area. Yeah, 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 and it's and that's such a loaded thing too because what I did realize when I was teaching in the space as well though is even with increased funding. And that's why it's important to, to hold your politicians, but hold your people in the school board, hold people accountable. Because even with increased funding, sometimes you look between the lines, a lot, a lot of funding is spent inefficiently as well. Like, I mean, yes. I had, I had like four or five different softwares and, uh, in my classroom that I know they were paying crazy licensing fees that didn't work. Like it, it just didn't work. And we yeah. were doing this and it's like, well, these are tens of thousands of dollars getting spent on all this stuff. And it's like, where is it really going? Yeah, it seems like a lot of trial and error. Um, like a bunch of people aren't sure what to do. And it's trial and error too, because also when you think about it, specifically in the education space, and I, I come from a business background where, I mean, the good companies, they have maybe two or three goals and they stick with that goal the whole year. I came in education, man, my school had like 10, and then no, no shade to the principal because I know he's doing his thing. Like he's a great guy, but I, I know he doesn't really create the tempo for it, but from the top up, sometimes this might be 20 different goals, 20 yeah. different strategies. And then in two years, they wipe that all down and they try not something new. I don't get it. It's frustrating. And teachers, the teachers feel frustrated too, having all these changes mm-hmm. that are seemingly proving um, to not be fruitful. Yeah. So I know it has to be tough, man. But I, I also want to ask, I always have to ask any teacher I ever had on the show is, what was the funniest uh, classroom story that you ever had? That you can uh, share. <laughs> the funniest, funniest instance. Uh, this student kept on sneezing. Um, and uh, one of the students said, are you allergic to something? And he said, no, I just have allergies. And he, he, it totally went over his head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Should, uh, when you first said it, it went over my head. I was like, what? What a joke? And I was like, oh, snap. Allergies, allergic. <laughs> like, I get it. <laughs> But uh, but also too, man. I want to ask you this because what what was the most challenging aspect when you okay? One, you're a teacher. 2013, you start to teach a career. I say, man, I got ambitions of being a principal. I got ambitions of really changing the whole, change this whole education game, give back to my community, and being that that teacher that I wish. I would have had because that's that's my my ambition when I first started. I was just like I I own my only goal was to be the teacher that I wish I would have had. But then something comes in your head like maybe this is I love teaching, but maybe there's a different route for me. So can kind of walk us through when or the time when you started to not second guess teaching, but kind of think that okay, I love this, but there's something else I want to pursue. Yeah, um, students are are very inquisitive. Uh, numerous times I'd have them ask. What would you be doing now if you were not a teacher? And uh, my mind would always go back to dentistry. It was um, one of those things I just kind of neglected. But I just shrugged it off because I knew I was I was um, destined to be a principal, um, maybe a superintendent someday. Just climb the ranks in education. Um, and then maybe my... Third year, third year teaching, I had some students who I had taught in the eighth grade. Um, in the eighth grade in middle school, we, uh, we like, uh, did like team teaching. And there was like one class who was, they were the honor class. And there was the, the standard class. And then there was like the inclusion class for students who needed additional support. Um, I had some students in the inclusion class and some students in the standard class who thought 
less of themselves um, because they weren't in the honors class. Um, and throughout that year, I did my best to try and encourage, motivate them, build their confidence. Um, and and three years later, um, I had a student from that class, one of the um, the inclusion class, mm-hmm. come to me. Um, I was at a football game. The student came up and said, Mr. McKee, thank you so much for for pushing me. I know your class was hard, but now I'm taking honors classes, P classes. And, and that made me feel good knowing that yes, work can be hard, but it's still, it's still doable. It's attainable. Um, so in that, in that moment, I, I started to feel like I was a hypocrite in being able to, um, motivate and encourage students and tell them they can do what they wanted to do. But I didn't believe that for myself. Um, and, I was actually in the process of applying to um, a school administration program. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, I needed to write two essays um, to apply. I had written the two essays and I was on my computer one night and I was about to submit the essays and my application. And I stopped. I, I froze. I couldn't send it. Um, and I had to do a lot of serious soul searching, um, talking to uh a few confidence, friends, family. Um, but I, I tried to keep it, um, pretty close knit. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't tell many people about what I wanted to do. Um, but, uh, after, after thinking about it for a few months, actually, I, I decided to, um, give dentistry a try. And I had to, uh, I had to, um, teach while doing um, summer courses. Uh, the college summer courses start while high school and public school is still in session. So I'd um, uh, teach five days a week. And then three of those days, uh, I'd have to leave work a little early and head to class, go to lab, uh, wouldn't get home until late at night. And then I'd have to study, do my own homework, grade papers. And it was, it was, it was a real really trying time, um, to try to juggle, um, my studies and still, uh, teach and work. Um, so, uh, after that, after that year, after that, um, school year ended up teaching, I decided that I wasn't going to flirt with the idea of dentistry anymore. I wanted to commit fully. Um, mm-hmm. so I became a full-time student and, um, uh, quit my own, quit my job. Wow. Wow, man. That takes a lot of courage. And, one, what was it like first when you, because you had to take a lot of prerequisites, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> Come from an English major I, to that. <laughs> yeah, there were there were courses I I hadn't I hadn't taken a science in over ten years because um I I spent five years on my my bachelor's in English and then I got a master's in English education. Are you serious? Um, you had a master's too? I didn't know that. I, yeah, so I spent seven years at uh, in college and then three years teaching. So I had already invested a decade into this profession, and it and it just felt like it was all going to waste at that time. Um, but I I felt that it was better to change course and direction rather than going down the wrong path for the rest of my life. Um, so I was very apprehensive to take these science courses, um, and that summer. Um, when I was taking the summer courses, uh, I'd met, uh, at least half a dozen other, um, post-backs or non-traditional students who were entering the program as well. So it was very comforting. Even one of them was actually, um, 
a teacher as well who uh, wow. taught um in elementary school. So um it was it was very good for me. Um everybody was very friendly um and welcoming and just helpful. So uh I just I, I basically I, I looked at those science courses as if um each grade were was a part of my survival. Um, I needed to pass. I needed to do well to survive. It was a fight or flight kind of a feeling. Man, I, I, I can, I can, I can imagine. I can imagine what, what was the, what was the, the, the last straw to say, yo, I'm gonna go at this full time because that's a big commitment. I mean, yo, like you said, 10 years invested. And then, you know, teaching don't pay much, but teach, actually, first of all, if you manage your money correctly, teaching ain't, 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 it's, it's not like it's $10 an hour. Um, no. so, and it, it, to say, cut that off and say, I'm going to go all in. I know, but at that time you were like 27, 28. Yes. So then I know it's just like a lot, some societal pressures too and, and everything else. So like, what gave you that confidence? Cause I know there had to be some insecurity of that, that the thing in your head, like, yo, Oh, yo, Craig, you too old, man. Or Craig, why are you even doing that? Or, oh, yo, you ain't, you're not even smart enough to pass these classes. Like, even if you want to do it, like, you, you ain't even that deep in science. So, like, was it, was it the people around you? Was there some books you read? Were there some strategies? Like, what enabled you to kind of continue to go through that fire? Um, so, so yeah, at first, I, I'd wanted to be a dentist, but I, I continued to doubt myself, um, throughout the entire process. I, when I was trying to uh, change careers, I figured out, right, you know what, I'm going to maybe just become a dental hygienist. I don't think I can become a, a dentist or a dental assistant, maybe. Um, but uh, I had a close friend around me and uh, she recommended that, no, I, I really think you can do this. Just try, like, give it a try. You can do it. You, you're capable of doing it. Um, and I, I, at first I was, OK, I'll, I'll negotiate. I'll see. Um, I'll test the waters a bit. Um, so that's where the summer classes came in. I said, I'm not going to quit my job yet. Let me see how I do in these first few science courses. Um, and I passed both courses um, with uh, like a B um, and a B minus, I want to say. Um, and I was, well, it was a B and then an A minus or something like that. And I, I felt confident after that. I, I figured if I could do um, this well in these courses, with the minimal uh, the minimum amount of time that I had to study and prepare um, while still having to teach and work, I figured that I could try um, try to commit full time to a program. Um, so I had to talk with my family, my brothers, because I had to um, downsize as well since I wasn't going to be um, having an income. So I had to move from my apartment. My my brother he was kind enough to to let me live with him. Mm -hmm. um, uh, at a reduced rate. Um, but still just, um, it, it helped out a lot knowing that I had family and, uh, and a few friends, close friends who, uh, supported me in my dream. Um, that meant the world to me. Um, but yeah, uh, um, yeah, I just didn't want to, I didn't want to keep going down a path that I knew wasn't right for me. Yeah. And uh, if you had to put on your Oracle hat, right real quick, cause I know there's some people on this line that, that are listening that are, are debating some real shifts in their life, whether it is maybe some, some may not be a career. Some may be a relationship. Some may be this. And I think you said something real key it was like, it's, 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 it's better no matter what age, even, even though it's crazy as millennials act like 30 years old or 29 years old, but that's neither here nor there. I know I'll be like, what are you talking about? 38 old? But even at this age, it's like, 
it's it's hard to really make the, those type of decisions. But you said yeah. something critical was like, yo, either I make a change or I just go down this wrong path forever. And I was like, wow, that hit me. I was like, that's crazy. It, even if it, even for the people that hear online, they have some bad habits, some things that they just they feel they can't get out of their life. But it's like, hold up, if we don't make a change, you can really go down this path forever. And some of the stuff that we're doing, some of the some of the behaviors we exhibit, maybe some of the careers we're on. You just don't want to live with that. So what would you, what was some advice would you be for those out there that are, are struggling with the same thing that you struggle with? Yeah. Um, for, forever is a long, long time when you've <laughs> lost the way. Um, and if you are dreading work the next day, um, or dreading, or you feel like there's going to be some guilt or regret from whatever action it is, um, do some serious soul searching. I, I went on, um, one dental school interview. And while on the interview, the the uh, doctor I was speaking with, he said that the um, the previous year there was a surgeon, a physician, a medical surgeon who had quit his career um, as a surgeon to pursue dentistry um, and was now um, a dental student. So to think that, wow, this person committed. Uh, and money and and to already be in the profession and then still be willing to invest another four years for training and edu- educating himself like that's 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 a, that's a real that, that speaks volumes to to your um tenacity and willingness to to change in life um I, i've heard of lawyers um switching to dentistry uh if you if if it's not right for you, by all means, just try. Give yourself a chance. Man, that's that's uh, that's, that's that's simple and plain. I think that's real. And also, too, what would you say? How how do you plan on once you begin this this whole this journey into dentistry, still supplementing that fix to want to help young people? Yeah. Um, so my goal, I'm hoping that even in um in a dentistry that I'm still. I want to be involved in the community that I'm working in. I don't want it to just be uh, me as, oh, I'm helping them with their teeth or smiles. I want <laughs> to um, give back uh, when it's uh, cold out, give coats to the community, provide meals, um, toys for um, the kids around Christmas time, um, just to show them also like connect to the community, let them know where I came from. Uh, I, I didn't grow up in um, a wealthy neighborhood. I did. I wasn't the smartest in the classroom. Um, I just worked, 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 worked really hard for what I wanted, and um, hopefully inspire and encourage um, other kids who may be feeling um, a little less confident. Yeah, man, that's 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 really big, and also too. Once so, once you are done with those classes, can you walk us through that the, the experience of now? Okay, we crossed this hurdle. Now we got to apply to school because it's like a whole different journey. Like, hold up, <laughs> okay, now we got these classes done. Now oh. we got to apply to school. So, can you walk us through that? Okay. Um. Wow. So, I, I, I had the uh, I, I was in a program, and the advisor was projecting that it would take me about two years before I would apply. Um. But wow. I want after you after you did all the courses. Well, no. Um, once I started the program in the summer, she was saying that I could apply within two years, within mm-hmm. a two year time frame. And um, I decided that I wanted to try and apply 
in a year's time span. So I, I tried to take more courses and I applied a year later um, rather than in two years. So I applied early. I, I figured that I would have to let the schools tell me no rather than to take myself out of the running by not um, applying altogether. So I decided I'm going to apply a year early. So I applied and I still actually had a few courses to take um, in the midst of my application process. Um, uh, in the application process, it was really expensive. Um, having not worked for uh, a year and having to pay thousands of dollars um, for the school applications, the secondaries, it was it was really intimidating. It was really scary. Um, and the test itself was almost five hundred dollars to take the dental admission test, and that was a nightmare within itself. Good God, five hundred dollars to take a hard test? I don't understand. I took the GMAT. Like, yo, <laughs> why do I gotta yeah. pay to do this? I that, I think that was the scariest moment of my life uh, taking that test. Um, and and um, so during the application process, uh. I was able to connect with um, a few people um, and ask them their opinions. They sat on a mission zone at uh, UNC and asked them their opinion about me. And, and one was just saying, you know what? You really are rolling the dice this year by, by trying to apply. Um, but they, they told me to keep, keep them informed, keep them in the loop. And uh, as the year went on, I, I received uh, four um, interview offers at different schools, had to travel to the schools. That was an expense within itself, you know, lodging, gas, um, uh, time missing classes. Um, and, uh, went on these interviews and it was around, was it, uh, November, end of November, uh, dental schools, they don't, um, allow, they don't tell, uh, who's accepted until December 1st, uh, decision day. So after my last interview in October, I had a month of just waiting and everyone constantly asking me, did you get in anywhere? Did you get any more interviews? Are you in? Are you in? Um, by that time still, I hadn't even told my closest friends yet that I, that I was applying to dental school. Uh, uh I still wanted to try to just, um, minimize the pressure that I had if I, if I failed, if I didn't make it, I was still, Still afraid at that time. Um, but it was the end of November. I was nearing my last semester of post-bac um, courses. And I was looking for jobs uh, to try to save some money or get, earn some money on um, the following semester, following year. I applied to um, four um, jobs and I had four job interviews in one day. And I finished the job interviews. I got job offers from all four of the schools within that same day. Wow. And I went to the library after my inter after my job interviews and I was studying for a physiology exam that I had the very next day. Um, the library closed at midnight. It was closing at midnight. And as I was walking out of the library, um, I checked my email and, uh, the university of Kentucky offered me, um, acceptance into their program. And at that point, I nearly broke down. I, I'm trying not to cry. I'm calling my mom because at that point in time, I just felt that yeah, I'm, I'm going to be a I'm going to be a dentist. Um, um, so it was very uh, it was very uh, emotional moment for me. Uh, but even after getting that acceptance, I was I was a little sad because um, 
the University of Kentucky, their dental program is really expensive for out-of-state students. Uh, um, leaving that program after four years with my bachelor's and graduate school um, loans, I'd, I'd be about a, about a half a million in um, student debt, potentially. <laughs> yeah. I know dentists get a lot of money, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, so it was, it was, um, it was a bittersweet moment. Um, and I was just praying that, uh, I was, I was happy that I was, I was guaranteed to be in dental school, but I was just praying that night and hoping that, that I would, um, hear good news, some more good news and, uh, went to sleep and woke up and I had another dental school offer from ECU. And of course I'm going to stay in state because it's, uh, more uh, cost effective. So within the span of me, um, going to sleep and waking up, I saved uh, like a quarter million dollars. Um, <laughs> so, so that was really good. I went to the, yeah, uh, that's really good. Went to the physiology exam. Um, I was taking the exam, uh, left the exam and I got a call from ECU and they offered me a scholarship and I was, I was already, um, sounding like a pirate. I was R and had the parrot on my shoulder. I was, I was ready to go to ECU. And I decided that I would go and tell my mom in person that I was going to be able to stay in state. And I went to her place and I told her, "Hey, mom, I'm I'm going to be uh I'm going to be uh going to ECU. They offered me a scholarship." And she was uh I was she wasn't excited at all. She uh she said, "ECU, uh, what about UNC?" And I was I was trying to explain to her that UNC was a really hard school to get into. It was one of the premier dental programs in the nation, and I, I'm not going to get in. I was trying to just break it down to her gently. And while I was saying that, my phone rang, and uh, I answered the phone, and it was um, a representative from UNC offered me acceptance into their program with even more money than ECU was offering. Bro, you, that, that, that's wild, Craig. Like, that is wild. So you sitting there talking to your mom, and then you get a phone call. You, like, and you say, hello? Hey, this is UNC. <laughs> How are you doing? How are you doing, Craig? I'm, I'm doing all right. Uh, we're just calling to let you know that uh, you've been accepted to the program, and we're going to offer you X, Y. I know you were like, this is this real? <laughs> this is so surreal. Wow. Um, yeah, and then needless to say, another school, um, Meharry, they offered me acceptance into their program as well. So within 24 hours, I had wow. four um, job offers and four dental school offers. Um, <laughs> so it was, it was just, um, I just wanted to make sure that I gave God the glory for that because um, there were so many times I felt like I couldn't make it. And I just wanted to make sure that I used all of this um, as a testament to him because he put me in um places with the right people, the right study groups, the right professors, um, and guiding me with my work ethic and just staying committed and my family being supportive. Just, um, he made the stars align for me. So I just wanted to make sure I, I gave him the credit he deserves. Man, that's huge. And ultimately, which school did you decide to, uh, to accept? Um, I decided to attend UNC. It was best for my family, me, and I felt like my future dental practices man that's huge man that's a huge kind like one of my uh person that go to my church roger mcdougall he's a he's a, a he graduated from unc undergrad and did a dentistry there now he has his private practice i gotta introduce y'all he's a bro um but yeah i know it's a phenomenal 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 program man that's that's crazy that's crazy man and you start in yeah. you start in august yeah i started in august and it was crazy um 
I I graduated in um high school in 2006 and my friends they they wanted me to apply to UNC and I, I graduated high school as a North Carolina scholar but I I did not apply to UNC then out of out of fear of rejection I didn't think I was good enough I, um and then over 10 years later to have them offer me scholarships to attend their doctoral program is is so surreal I I, I get choked up just thinking about it um Man, yeah, that's that's such really, a that's such an encouragement, man. Like you don't know how much you're blessing me, and I'm definitely going to bless the people that's listening. Um, but the biggest question is, how are you going to keep that momentum up? Because you still got you still got four four strong strong years to go, man. <laughs> so how are you going to like? What's your strategy? What's your plan outside, of course, keeping God first? Like, how do you plan on keeping that momentum up? Because I know there's a lot of people out there that okay, cool, you you committed now, you all in, boom, and then you get the job. Then it's like, hold up, I got to keep the job. I got to take the job to the next level. I got to be a student. I got to be a star. Like, so what's your yeah. plan on keeping the momentum up? Um, yeah, my uncle, he tells me to remember all of the struggles that I went through uh, once I'm in the program. But I, I had that mindset once, um, once I quit my career to just kind of everything is kind of not only for my survival, my family's, um, livelihood and well being, but also, just feeling really appreciative. If I, I wish I could have some of my former classmates um, attest to this, but um, there were exams, um, organic chemistry exams, uh, biochemistry exams. I was, I was the one weird person walking into the room smiling. I felt, I felt just so lucky to even be in that situation. I would think, hey, I could be. Um, in class right now, teaching, teaching students and still following down a career that I don't believe in. But instead, I get this opportunity to to um, test myself and, and grow and learn. So I just appreciate the moment. And I, and I hope that in the dental program, um, that's a that's something I don't lose. Um, just having that reverence um, for for what I've been through and where I'm at now. Um, it's I'm very fortunate. I'm very fortunate. I, yeah. That's how I see it. Man, that's that's huge. And I, I meant to say something about it earlier, but you said something that's key. And I want to make sure if anything, if you're listening today, to make sure that you take away and you said something that was deep. And I'm probably going to use that in one of my speeches is when you said that instead of when when they said, OK, you might need to apply like two years, one year. I mean, I know you're doing your thing, but one year, that's a bit that's a bit much, bro. And you was like, well, I'd rather have them tell me no rather than to tell myself no. And that's the reason that's critical because a lot of times in my own life, like a lot of times we, 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 we tell ourselves no way more than the world tells us no or opportunities. No. And we'd be the first person to shoot our own dreams down. We'd be like, nah, heck nah, 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 nah. And it's like, hold up. Like you um, imagine the opportunity. Like imagine if, if, if you did not, if you let it, your, your dream say no, you'd be teaching. And of course you probably still enjoy teaching, would still be doing a good job, but you would not, you one of the top dentistry programs in the country with a, with a scholarship. Like that's crazy. And, and I hopefully that encourages other people to, to not let you, don't, don't, don't you kill the dream. Like, a lot of like, it's great. Don't you do it. Let somebody else do it. Let the, let the world do it. But don't you be the person to be like, I can't do it. Yeah. We are often our own worst enemies sometimes. 
So I think that's powerful, man. And I, I, I'm, I'm excited for the journey, man. So when it's all said and done, though, like, so once, once dentistry is you're done with school, you're a dentist, man, like, how do you want to be remembered? Like, what's the, what's the big, what's the big goal? What's the big play? Are you a person that like takes a day, day at a time? Um, I have, I have some big plans. Uh, I want to keep, uh, some of them close to the chest, but I, I do want to say that I, I want to make an impact. I want to, again, I go back to my quote, blessed to be a blessing. Um, I'm, I'm really big on wanting to give back, uh, to my community, other communities, people in need globally. Um, so I'm hoping that I can have a few business ventures that help me, um, help people in the way that I, I see fit. And the dentistry perspective or like, or other ventures? Uh, Oh, and, and other as well. Dentistry, dentistry, um, is a profession that would help fund other professions and things and, uh, projects that I would like to do as well. Um, so yeah. Got you, man. Got you. Got you. So as we always have every podcast, we have a culture change rapid fire question round and we hopefully get rapid fire answers. You ready to go? All right. What's the best piece of advice that you have never received? Um, if, if someone's trying to make you angry, don't, don't let the wind ignore it. Let it roll off your back. Mm. Touche. If you could add one habit and take away one habit, what would they be? One habit. Uh, I am not a morning person. I'd love to be a morning person. Uh, <laughs> see and take one away. Use my cell phone less. Oh, so you you think you're always on the cell phone? I wouldn't even I'm, imagine you a person that's always on the cell phone. I, I'm, I'm always on it. I'm becoming a slave to this thing. For real? That's so interesting. I, I would think you're a person that's like a detached from the cell phone. Are you always on your cell phone? No, always on. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite book and why? Favorite book and why? Um, I'm going to say The Pursuit of Happiness. Um, just just seeing um, someone come from the struggle and, and persevere and rise above it. Yeah, I, it's crazy. And right when you, when you got the call that said you were, you got into med school, I mean, got into dentistry school, I just imagined like Will Smith at the end, he got the job. He was, he, I, he, I was doing it. <laughs> yep. I know. He's like, oh, look, everybody's sitting there walking, having their lives. This old man, he crying. That was me. <laughs> man, I, I have no interest of going to dentistry school or becoming a doctor, but this podcast <laughs> makes me just want to just go and apply to med school or something like that. And I don't, I don't, I, don't, I hate biochemistry. So I need to go ahead and get on this podcast. I guess now if I do something crazy. Uh, and last two questions. What is your biggest fear? Oh, my biggest fear. Uh, I am still uh, fear, uh, afraid of failure. Um, that, that thing has controlled me a lot in my life. I'm still working through it, but um, I think I'm getting better at it. But failure. So I, I would say you are as well. <laughs> and then uh, if you were the president of the United States, what is the first thing you would do? Oh, man. Um. I would increase taxes on the wealthy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, <laughs> that's real. That's real. But then guess what? They will find another increasingly way to get out of them. So, <laughs> 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 all right. So we're done with the rapid fire. I always ask as I close the episode, um, I call myself the culture change agent, but every single person I have on the show is a culture change agent in their own right, man. So if you could change one thing about society, most specifically the African-American culture, what would it be and why? Hmm. The African-American culture. Um, I would say for the perception that young 
uh, our young adults and children uh, have on education. Um, there's still some times when um, that I've I've seen uh, intelligence is associated with acting white rather than um, them just being intelligent people. Um, so just uh, I guess some um, more advertisements for education being cool, I guess, or something along those lines. Yeah, nah, and I think one thing that that's why I'm excited to 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 continue building this podcast, building multiple media platforms because I think the more we have open dialogue and open conversations about fears, successes, and securities from from a, especially our young adults, and verbalize this to our young people and letting them know or not, not because the, cause this the reason why I say this, because when you listen to rap music, a lot of rap music outside, like the boastful rap music, it, it, ta- it, 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 it shines a light on aspirations, futures, very transparent. Right. Mm-hmm. But the problem is a lot of our, our older and more successful people in society, even our younger, younger people that are successful, whatever. When we talk to the young people, and outside of teachers, a lot of times we come from a, this is what you got to do. It's not, it doesn't come from like a, a transparent type of flavor. It's more so, and this is what you need to go to college. You need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do that. Not like, oh, I've had, I had insecurity too as a kid. I had insecurity too, um, in high school. And this is what I, this is what I've been through. Even getting into this career, me being a black man in this career, I sometimes I feel X, Y, and Z. Like we don't have those type of conversations, but who, who does? Oh. The rappers do. Oh, uh, entertainers do. And all these other mediums have so that it's not going to be cool. Like you, cause you wanted to cool, you're, you're a cool guy. But at the end of the day, it's like they, they can't identify with a lot of us that are, that, that may be cool and may show ourselves more than what we can see because we never, we don't meet them there. And I think that's, that's the gift of teaching when you're, especially when you're a relatable teacher. Let them know that, yo, I'm not perfect either. We're growing in this together. But I think in societal terms, the people that are the dentists and all the lawyers and the doctors and, and all this other stuff, because there's so many other careers like advertising agents, marketing executives, engineers. I mean, mm-hmm. go for days, but we got to find a common ground with our young people, specifically our young people of color. And it just, the common ground can't just be like, yo, go to college and stay away from drugs. Like our common ground got to be a lot more vulnerable and we need to be there. Yeah, exactly. Cause I so. <laughs> so man, like I think we wrapped it. I think we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up and well right at the hour mark. Like that's good. Like I done had some two hour podcasts, whatever. And I think we hit all our po- all our points, all our marks, man. So from the bottom of my heart, man, I say one thing. Thank you, man, for for giving me hour and evening. I know as a teacher, those evenings are 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 cherished, man. So rushing home, getting on Skype that you probably ain't been on since like high school or maybe middle school or college or whatever to 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 just share your story because I like I said, I know you're a very private person, man, and to share it, man, and I and I, I from the bottom of my heart and for my only troublemaker nation heart, man, I just want to say thank you. No, thank you. I love the work you're doing. Uh, keep it up, man. I'm so proud of you. No doubt, no doubt. So my number trouble as a nation, you already know I need you to do two things and two things only. I know y'all saying like, what is that? You don't ask for so much. No, I ain't ask for nothing. One, make sure, make sure, make sure you leave a review and tell a friend and tell a friend about the show. Let's keep these things popping. And number two, make sure you change the freaking culture. Good night.